Daddy's Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Daniel. Hello and welcome to another season of Daddy Square, the Gay Dad's Podcast. Hello, Alex. Oh, hello, Jan. Uh, we're so over the pandemic, now completely over. I well, well, let's hope so. I mean, God knows it was, uh, there's a lot of suffering that went around for the last two years, and we hope that everyone who has suffered, my husband still has little lingering amounts of long COVID. He can't smell, yes. but although- Oh my God, I lost my sense of smell but, completely. But I will say, for those of you who have small children, you'll know that losing your sense of smell is not such a bad thing. Yeah. It's a bit of a blessing. Everything smells like coffee. Which is That's kind of great. Nice. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, we just uh, finished the summer vacation. And uh, for us, our kids are going to um, private schools. So yeah. the last couple of weeks have been hell. Yeah, I don't because know if you strangely, guys, yeah. uh, private schools have this tendency to start later in the summer than the public schools do. So everything stops. There are no more camps. There's no more anything. And school doesn't start for our kids until after Labor Day. So they're just sort of there all the time yes and i keep imagining like other people's houses and i'm trying because you know how i am yes so i'm like every time like i go to other people's house with kids and they're like oh they're playing and our kids are like running around like crazy i don't know if they, because they're boys because they're twins because they're six and a half they're running around like crazy trying to figure out how to kill themselves okay can, basically can that our dear listeners i hope that you can find a way to help my husband he thinks that everybody else's parenting and and everybody else's children the parents are better and the children are more well behaved I don't buy it. I don't think it's true. I'm not saying our kids are perfect either, and God knows we're not the you know best parents. But still, uh, I think our kids are doing fine during this pandemic and uh, during this break. So, you know. They're cute, but they're they so much work. <laughs> and my job is to say no. No, 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 yes, no, 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 no. And I, to a point that I can just, I can't even listen to myself anymore. So yes. I don't know how they can. My job is to say yes. I know. That's why we work so well together. <laughs> Daddy Squared. Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads podcast. Uh, welcome. If you are just joining us, just so you know, we're not experts, like Alex said. Yeah. Especially not in parenting. We are here to pass the times with, with gays and friends and maybe also learn a few things. With gays and friends? Yeah. It sounds like Fox, uh, Fox and Friends, but... Not. No, just because the other day, remember that you met that lady who said, oh, we're listening to your podcast with my friends. And I'm like, you're a woman, a mom. That's so, right. You know. We allow non-gays to listen to this podcast <laughs> as well, though it's frowned upon. So if you're listening now, please shut this off. No, uh, listen, there are so many experts out there and there are brilliant people who really know what they're doing and have done tons of research and have degrees uh, uh, in parenting, et cetera. Uh, some of them really are amazing. We've had some of them on our podcast in, in previous and seasons and we will this season as well. But that's not us. And it's really, really important for us to share with you that our goal is to bring on those kinds of voices and that kind of experience, but also to try to share with you whether you are current parents or you are prospective parents, 
the experience of what this is and share it with you. We love to hear back from our listeners. We, we hear from you all the time. And that's what this should really feel like for us. Um, if we ever come off like we're telling you how to do it, we're doing it wrong. Yes, and we also. I, so I talked about I talked about the park and 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 meeting those moms, and I'm like, I'm thinking in general, we're just looking for new friends. So that's uh, one of our <laughs> ways true. that we're trying to do it's that. With some people, podcast. some so, people meet new friends by walking up to them and saying hello. Other people produce a podcast. Yeah, and so you're welcome to uh, write to us hello at daddysqr.com. Um, and we're trying to go out more. Right? We are trying. We're trying. It's and, a new thing now. <laughs> it's, I think, oh, so. Just, we went to a bar. We did go to a bar. It was yeah, fun. And my husband bar. got drunk. It was Yay. excellent. It's pretty easy for both it's of us to get drunk. It's a pineapple rum. But yeah. wait, I, I, I'm trying to release control. I think that anyone who is a parent knows about this little pattern. Before you have kids, you make all kinds of promises to each other about how having children is not going to completely obliterate us as gay men and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then you look back, I don't know, a year or two of, into your children's lives and you realize that, you know, you haven't left the house uh, since it started and you don't care anymore and you just want to go to sleep at 7 30 p.m we are trying to change that almost seven years into our children's lives yes um and if you just joined us and you are not familiar with previous seasons of daddy squared first of all just subscribe so you'll know you're not going to miss anything from now on and second you can just go back and listen but we're going to tell you that alex and i are married couple as you probably realized by now we have uh twins Six and a half years old. They're going to uh, first grade now. Yes, They're starting today. And uh, um, and what else? And we live in LA. What we else? Live in Los we? Angeles. What, do, what um, else? You know, we're both sort of tech-oriented people in our work. Oh, and we go to oh, couples therapy. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And there's something else that's incredibly important. Yes, in addition to the fact that we go to couples therapy every week. Uh, thank God. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, thank uh, you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> But also, I will tell you all that we are coming up very shortly on 15 years together. Yeah, 15 years he together. Remembers. And we, remember. we, we, we've only nearly killed each other 70 or 80 times. We've prepared an exciting new season for you. And so we're going back after Around the World last season, which we went, each episode went to another country and talked about uh, gay dads. That was uh, specific. And you, ha- by the way, it, you know, if you come from any, any background at all, check out that season and see if you can find the country of your family's origin and go, uh, go listen. These are great episodes about what's happening in those countries for people who are trying to become uh, uh, gay dads and just overall a little bit of a flavor of the culture of the country. Yes, so uh, this season is going to be a regular season, which means we're going to bring on, like Alex said, experts and we're going to talk about issues uh, that are very general uh, all around the world uh, for gay men and for parents and for gay men who are parents. We love all of the topics that we're covering, and so many of the guests that we're bringing on. And the topics include things like... (laughs) So we're going to talk about uh, things like gaming and children's fears and parents' fears and food and uh, adoption and forgiveness and competitiveness, many, many things. And there are a few changes. So the first change is that uh, every, every two weeks there's going to be a new episode. 
instead of every week. So I would say that that's because we're lazy, but my husband does all of the work associated with this podcast while doing a full-time job. So that would get me killed. Uh, but, but please do subscribe so that the podcast episodes just pop onto your phone or wherever you when listen it, to podcasts. When it's released, yes. The second thing that we're doing is a video version, which is not released right now, but it's a little bit of an experiment that we're trying this mm -hmm. season to really give you the visual of how we look and what we do <laughs> when we are. Um, yeah, do we in fact have a face for radio? Or if you'll TV, decide. Yeah. You'll decide yourselves. So let's go to this All episode. Right. Uh, I think we're ready to uh, introduce our guests today. So it's funny because I'm looking back at previous seasons and it's, it seems like we tend to really open the first episode of a season is always about the couple. It's not about the family. I don't know if you noticed that, but I did. Well, we're very, very self-involved. So It's not that. It's because I think that it's very important to remember that we're first and foremost a couple. Yeah. This is how this family started. And it's something that I really believe that we should work on and continue thinking about as we raise our kids. So today we're going to talk about couples conflicts and building closeness. And I want to thank all all of the listeners who suggested this uh, uh, topic. By the way, if you have a topic that you want us to talk about or, or explore, please write to us at, at hello. Hello at daddysqr.com. Yes. Um, so what I did with this uh, episode is that um, I kind of took a few, and, and you're going to hear in the interview, um, I took a few suggestions and I kind of put them together under one roof, which is conflict. It kind of made sense. Um, our guest today is Dr. Alan Fuzetti. He's a professor of psychology and director of dialectical behavior. Well, I like, I like, oh, this is oh, this fun thing we do. This is the part where I read. Yeah. This is this fun thing we do every season where we make fun of Jan's uh, foreigner accent. Ah, oh, it because brings me to, so much pleasure. I have to, I have to read the, um, title to make sure that we give the most respect to that absolutely to, to also guests. by the way there is an episode page uh for each episode of the podcast on daddysqr.com where you can find these people's names and also any other information that we want to provide associated with the episode so our guest, Dr. Alan Fruzetti, is a professor of psychology and director of the Dialectical Behavior Therapy and Research Program at the University of Nevada, Reno. His book, The High Conflict Couple, is like a crash course in a couple's therapy. I finished his book and I thought to myself, this is like instead of spending a whole year, I just spend six hours listening to it. Well, I listened to it. I didn't read it. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's kind of, a, it saves time. And I think it's, it has so much in it that I thought, you know, I should, we should bring Alan to, to our podcast and kind of talk to him about these specific issues that you guys have uh, wrote to us and, and suggested. Uh, one of them, it's funny, like the first one was suggested, I, I want to say three years ago, and I didn't find a place for it. Oh. But just so you know, I do keep all of those emails as, as you probably know from previous seasons so um i the first one is um we're going to talk about what if someone wants to have kids and and the other one don't right. in a couple we're going to talk about opening relationship and yeah. we're going to talk about religion and um different way of uh, parenting style and um and i want to yeah we can just go and, and just start the conversation no what <laughs> Yes, why, why we can so kind funny? of blah, 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 blah until blah. we get to the... Um, 
Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a very meaningful discussion. I love the topics and I think we should listen to Dr. Alan Frusetti. Okay. Dr. Alan Frusetti, thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about uh, couples conflict and uh, building closeness. Okay, except I just want to be clear. What? We personally don't ever have any conflict of any kind between us. Of course not. So of it's just a not. learning experience right. for other people. Um, sure. Of course. Since Understood. you have... Understood. We're going to touch that really, really soon. <laughs> I think right here, right there, we have the conflict. Um, so I want to dive right in and ask you... According to your experience, what kind of conflicts are the most common in, uh, between couples? You know, that's probably the most common question that people ask. And I, and I want to answer it in two different ways. One is that actually the topic for conflict is not nearly as important as how couples have the conflict. So the way they have the conflict turns out to be way more important. That's the, probably the the best answer. But the second answer is people fight a lot about closeness and about how to manage. You know, if you think about conflict, it's when there's disagreement, right? Mm -hmm. If we're simply negotiating in good faith and we love each other while we're doing it, it doesn't feel like conflict. It just feels like, oh, we're just living our lives and making decisions together. Um, and so conflict topics typically show up when people are vulnerable and their emotions are high and their communication process isn't so good. And then it's often around things like who's going to do what, right? And do you really love me? I mean, that's, those are the most common ones. I'm actually really interested in what you just said about negotiation in good faith, not necessarily being a form of conflict. And I'm wondering, is there a trick for sort of creating an environment where it's understood, wait, this is not intended to be a conflict. We're now negotiating as opposed to, you know, the other, the other possibilities. There sure are. There's a, there are a bunch of these things. You call them trick or I call them skills, uh, same idea, but, and then what they really have to do with is purposefully or intentionally signaling I'm coming at this conversation with love. I'm coming at this conversation with you with love. I want to be connected with you. And then it's kind of one hand is rubbing the other person's shoulder while the other hand is, okay, I got this problem. You know, you're driving me crazy, which can be fine if I love you. If you're feeling loved, we're much more open to it. So thinking about this as a both and and signaling the connection first and the desire for the connection first, honestly, that will prevent the, the lion's share of destructive conflict. Yeah, so so about that, I was, as I was thinking that one of the things that you say about uh, your book that I think that our really key player here is how do we, sometimes we forget that we love each other when we have a conflict, so we, when we fight. Can you talk a little bit about that? Why do you think it happens? And, and how, how can we remember uh, what we right. forget? So the answer to your question, why is it that we forget, is actually based in evolution, um, in the sense that our emotion brains developed first, 
right? Right. If you think about it, what emotions do is they give us information very quickly and then direct our action, right? Very quickly. Crossing the street, you hear the tires screeching and the horn blasting. You're jumping out of the way before you even have a clue what's going on. Our emotion system gives us information much faster than our thinking system. What that means is that when emotion gets big enough, it turns off our thinking brain, which includes our memory, by the way. So what happens is if emotion gets big, we literally are not at that moment remembering, oh, you're my love, you're my partner, right? It's literally not, it's, we, our complexity, our capacity for complexity gets lost when emotion gets big enough. And that can happen very quickly, you know, impulsively, spontaneously. It can also be a slow burn upwards. So that's why I say, you know, if you start, stop, take a deep breath and say, wait a minute, you're somebody that I love. I want 10 minutes from now be, you know, holding hands or giving a hug or just proceeding together in the world, right? Then that gives me back my complexity, right? I can love you and you can be driving me crazy at the same time. That means the emotion's not so high, it hijacks our attention. You know, I am uh, probably practically a robot in terms of, no, I mean, I'm a robot with He's a very, robot. very high emotions, but nonetheless, what I mean okay. is everything. So you have the emotion chip. Somehow. I have the chip. Yeah. I saw the show. Oh. I have the chip. I find that creating process in what I do is the only way that I can achieve things like what you've just described. And I'm, I'm hearing what you've just described and I'm saying, I don't know how to do that. Meaning if I'm in a discussion with Jan or a heated discussion with Jan, what do I have to do? Set an alarm on my phone every 10 minutes that says, don't forget, you know, you love him. Stop what you're doing. And, and, and like, what are the, are there, are there triggers that can be created in your relationship that remind you to do that? If you're a robot like me. Yes, there are. There, so it turns out there are lots of things that you can do. It boils down to figuring out our own best way to either prevent or interrupt that quick escalation as our emotion goes up. So, Alex, I might ask you, are you a person that emotion or your emotion goes up really fast? Why, yes. yes. Why, yes, yes, it does. <laughs> Okay. So, and by the way, the world, it, it's think of this as a, as a bell curve, right? Some people are at one end, their emotion goes up like that. We, we call that reactive, right? By the way, there's nothing wrong, just to be clear. Jan, no picking on Alex for this. There's nothing wrong with being reactive, right? Right? In the same way, there's unreactive, okay? Nothing wrong with that either, right? And everything in between. But the idea is if we if we know we're reactive, then we we then the most effective thing is to practice doing it when when things are okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Not before it's heated, even when things are good, so that it actually occurs to you. The cue becomes my emotions going up. Now I gotta remember that I love you, touch your hand, smile at you, you know use a term of endearment by the way that helps a lot you right. know right it's a signal to our brains oh oh no death is not imminent here right, right. <laughs> this is it's like whoo, we can stand down a little bit and so 
if you practice it, and when I say practice, I mean, you know, probably dozens of times, what happens is it's, it's a little bit like riding a bus or a subway or driving a car on a freeway where you're preoccupied. And if you miss the exit, you got to practice looking for the exit. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Then there's something yeah. about the surroundings that signal your brain like, oh, I'm reading the book, but somehow I know that my stop is coming up. Right. It shows up automatically. And that's if you if you're reactive, you got to have that. If you're not reactive, simply noticing, noticing the other person's emotion is going up is the, is the signal. Oh, I've got a gee, you know, Alex or Jan, you know, your emotions going up. So that's my signal to, to smile at you and say, you know, we're going to figure this out, you know, and then use the term endearment. Right. Yeah. That. I don't know. Imagine that for a second, if you don't, if you don't mind. Imagine that that's that you know it's like, Far- hey, sweetie. We're gonna we're gonna figure this out. I, yeah. I, not say sweetie is your term, but that, that's mine. You can't have that one. But that's all right. I am referred to as booty hypnotic, but that's not important now. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Um, so much more interesting. <laughs> you gotta. No? Well, look, I, I, it's funny you should mention because we just, was it yesterday, had an experience. I had an experience yesterday where Jan did something that I don't remember when the last time he did, which was he was, I don't know, you were criticizing me about some crap or another as, as you like to do. And somewhere in the middle of it, he stopped and he said to me, look, I just want you to know, remember, I love you very much. I'm just unhappy about this thing oh my god yes. well that's actually after six years of uh, couples therapy that's true but you know when you finally <laughs> realized it was great it, it was, was great, great. it had okay. such yeah. an impact on on my reaction to his to his criticism it made me more open to it it made me less hurt by it um yeah it's huge and and i totally see what you're saying uh, again the trick for me is just making sure that i remember that when my emotional side has taken over right. to put the brakes on and do that. Yeah. That's um, if you have a, a reactive emotion system, it's harder. Let's yeah. face it. And, and that practice becomes absolutely essential. In my book, I talk about this as relationship mindfulness, right? It's the idea that I'm two hands. It's good if you're, if you're, if you don't mind a little visual here, you have two <laughs> hands. One is you're always aware of one hand is the, I love you hand. Yeah. Right. The other hand is okay. What's on my mind right now? Oh, yeah. And, and as long as that one, that first hand isn't tied behind your back, so you don't look at it, much like yeah. much more likely to do well. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's the first part of relationship mindfulness is remembering. I love you. I want to be close to you. I want to have a good relationship with you. The second part is, by the way, what's it like to be you right now? What's it like to be, I mean, you, whatever your version, you know, don't worry about the words, the specific words don't matter. It's, it's really the intention. It's the warm intention of it. Like what's going on in your head right now? You know, those, however, however you talk to each other, don't worry about though. It's not a recipe of words. It's, it's how do you connect? Right. Um, I want to, I want to ask like a very general question, but we're not going to answer it yet because I collected some of um, some of conflicts that our audience have sent us throughout the past couple of seasons. Uh, This is something that we've been wanting to for for a while and I didn't know how to tackle this. So I just collected all these. uh, It's not all just three conflicts that uh, rise between uh, between couples and I guess that my general question my general question is um, are there conflicts that cannot be solved now 
Let's take the first example uh, that is very common among uh, gay men. Uh, you know, because we want to... Um, some, some guys, after they find a partner, they want to have kids. Some does not. What happens if one does want to have kids and one does not? So how do we solve a conflict like that? I thought he wasn't supposed to answer it. Now. No, now he... No, not, <laughs> not supposed to answer the... the other conflict, oh. other conflicts that cannot be solved. But right. let's go into these three examples and then go, come out of the two conflicts that ah. what, at what point where there's a conflict that uh, we cannot solve. The, the short answer is that not every conflict can be solved, at least not right now. The ability to not let that unsolved conflict destroy the good parts, the parts that aren't broken, that's step one. It's how to be able to put it inside a a box or on the other side of a fence for a while, um, but and then purposefully come back at the problem. Now, here's the thing. If we frame the problem as, oh, you want kids that I don't, or you don't want kids that I do, we're already starting framing it as insurmountable. If we're really going to try to solve it, we've got to make the frame smaller. The frame needs to be, huh, I know that at, at, at the moment that when the word kid comes up, you you kind of recoil. There's something about that that you don't want to do. And I know that when the word comes up, I kind of get mushy and I kind of want to do it or vice versa, whatever. Mm -hmm. So let's start a series of conversations about what's appealing about it and what's not appealing. But the idea is we're both going to talk about both. Mm -hmm. Okay, because I've never met a couple where the person who didn't want to have the children, that that wasn't a balance, that, that, that it wasn't, there wasn't at least a 20% piece of them, at least sometimes it's 49%. There are things about that that are gen, genuinely appealing. Or the other partner who says, I don't want kids, where that's not also like, oh, I really do, or I, you know, there's always common ground. So if we start with the common ground, these are the parts that we agree. These are the things that we think would be really nice, the reasons we want to do it. These are the things that are getting in the way, the problems that we anticipate or our, our, our losses that we imagine or what that might be. So then we say, can we have now a series of conversations where we both try to problem solve the things that are that are getting in the way of the of both decisions, okay? Right. So if I'm wanting kids and you're not, we're going to spend some time trying to solve the problems, like how would I tolerate not having children? How would I get through that and still be a happy person and still love you and still have a good relationship? And we're still going to also work on how would we solve the problems that might make it more interesting and maybe more accessible to you to want to have children. Right. And, 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 and so we actually can work on trying to build, build, build more common ground. Now, we might end up at the end of the day still polarized but i hope you can see that the polarization is now much less extreme there's an and in each each of us on yeah. balance i still don't want to do it on right. balance i still do and i completely understand how yeah. you do or you don't I, and and now that's where we are for now and maybe we work on both sides of that for for another six months or another year you know is i mean, this... obviously you can't do that forever right time yeah. runs out sooner or later <laughs> yeah but at least at least at that point we, we the big problem is not polarizing polarizing is is absolutely essential in conflict 
you have to say what's important about your point of view. I have to be able to say what's important about my point of view, and we have to understand each other. But it's the understanding each other depolarizes us. In other words, I want A and you want B. Well, you're wrong. Well, no, you're wrong. Well, you're double wrong. Well, you're triple wrong. You know, and that's the way most arguments actually go. They're sort of contentless. They're really just judgments, escalating negative emotion and judgments until we don't want to look at each other anymore for a while. So if instead we can polarize and then depolarize and then polarize again and depolarize, each time we depolarize, we're connecting around stuff, the parts that do make sense. I understand why you don't want to do that. Or I do understand why that's appealing to you. I really do. In fact, it kind of makes me a little softer on that point. Yeah. I'm not there where you are, but I'm softer on it. In other words, you're not wrong. That's just not what I want. That's going to keep us from depolarizing right out of our relationship. Right. And, and, but, but to do what you're describing requires, I think, one thing that's really important, which is both sides have to understand and accept the activity that you've just described, because I'll tell you yes. where my bitter little mind went when you said this. My bitter little mind was I was pretending I was the one who doesn't want to have kids, which is not the case. Um, and I and I'm like, oh, meaning you want to talk at me for another hour about it because you're trying to break me down. In other words, I have a position all this and all you're trying to do is get me to a place where I change my position. (laughs) So Alex, let's play this out, okay? So I would then say to you, actually, I I totally understand why you would think that because let's not start with the things that I want. Let's start with like what's, I'm not trying to break you down. I really want to understand it. It might sincerely be that you're maybe a little more aware of some of those things, and I might actually agree with you on right. so, all of them. Right. So then then, then therefore I can jump in and say, well, you know, I love the fact that I can go out anytime I want. And I love the fact that I have this freedom and that freedom and I'll have money when I'm old and all of this kind of stuff. And I can be talking about the reasoning behind not wanting it instead of you're going to tell me why it's great. I see that. That makes sense. I'm not going to counter those. I'm not because those are valid. Uh I, I might want to ask you to tell me more. Well, what do you imagine doing in our old age? <laughs> you know, how much money do you think we need for that? You know, like, right. no, seriously. Like, this is these are opportunities for us to connect. Mm-hmm. Then later in a different conversation, it would be like, let's pick, we can flip a coin, right? Which one of us starts? Let's pick one of those things. Like on your in your case, it might be the, the thing about like being able to be independent, right? Because when you have kids, you can't just decide at four o'clock, you know, let's go meet and do this all evening, right? right? You can't do that, but you don't have a sitter. You can't bring the kids. It's whatever you're going to do. You can't bring the kid with you, right? The spontaneity, it goes down, right? Yeah. I hope it doesn't go to zero, but it, but it goes down for sure, right? So we might say, okay, let's think about, like, if that, that's a problem that we would have to make smaller if we were going to have children. At the same time, like, what would be the corollary on my side? Like the, the, the problem with not having children might be, you know, whatever that might be like, well, how would we tolerate that? How would we compensate for that? How could right. we still be happy without that? Right. So we're actually going to spend time working on supporting the things that are valid. Right. But also then problem solving the things that are different. <laughs> right. The things, and, and doing it in a really respectful, curious way. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering when we were, when you were talking that um, 
when when do you think it's um it's the 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 it's going to be more beneficial let's phrase it that way it's going to be more beneficial to have somebody on the outside to really help us solve this conflict because when i want to talk about not having kids or when i want to talk about having kids um the partner immediate, immediately comes to a, some sort of a defense or yeah. whatever well i i think you just answered your question right when when we've tried to many times in good faith and we can't really launch the conversation in a constructive way or we get stuck in the same defensive polarizing which is not helpful it might be helpful to have somebody nudge us to practice those steps more I mean if you just can't there's just too much automatic taking positions and, and yelling across the chasm that's when you probably need some help. I want to, just because we're kind of running out Sorry, of time, and I want to go through all the other two topics that were raised by our audience. The second one sure. was, um, so I kind of grouped it out. So it was uh, like raising our kids religious, but there's also the, um, when we, I thought about like two things that are, that really can disconnect between people are religion and politics. These are two really, I think people feel very strongly about Um, is there a way to kind of navigate or I don't, I don't know like what, what to do because it's like this one of the kind of the situations where if a couples feel differently, then it's not going to change. Yeah. I would simply say you've got a very nice list going. If we just added sex, Oh wait, that's money, the third one. <laughs> yeah. We'd have them all. Then yeah. they'd have the complete list right in front of you. <laughs> Well, so I think part of it is remembering that the way we communicate well, whatever that is, if, if we can think about, well, when we, when we actually are connecting, listening, really, and, and expressing ourselves accurately, what does that look like? What, what is our natural rhythm when we are interested in each other? Accurate expression doesn't mean I've got it all figured out. It means I'm gonna talk out loud what's on my mind in a non-critical, non-judgmental way. That's all that means. And if you're listening, the process of you asking genuinely curious questions and me giving you my very best descriptive answer is gonna get us closer and closer and closer. We're gonna get closer even if it's not all that clear at the end what I'm thinking, feeling, or wanting. Right. So if we can figure out what does that look like when we're doing it well and then say, let's do that around religion. Let's do that. When I ask partners what's important to them about religion, it often comes down to things like family traditions or participating in a, in a community because there's a community built around of people that they like built around uh, some kind of religious activities. Right. Um, it's very hard. People almost never invalidate that. They always say, oh, yeah, sure. Right? It's easy to like those things if that's what comes up. The, the stickiness is, is more around, well, it's just, this is my religion. I'm used to it. I like it. Well, that's your religion. You're used to it. You like it. Now what do we do? That's where we might have to say, well, if we're both very committed to our own What would be a third way? What would be a third way, once we've identified the things that are important about this, that would actually honor most of the things that are important to both of us? Right. Um, the third thing that uh, uh, came up over the past couple of years, including the pandemic, was um, 
whether or not to open the relationship oh, sexually. Yes. Um, and I think that's something that's um, a lot of, I don't know if straight people talk about that. Of course they talk about it, they just don't talk about it as much as gay people do, for obvi- uh, gay men do, yeah, for obvious reasons. That's, I think that's accurate. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, do we have, do you have something to say about that? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it's, it's, in some ways, it's one step tougher than religion, right? Because notice what, what we haven't talked about is how when you get into something like religion or sometimes even politics, it's pretty easy to float into getting judgmental. Like, I'm right about this. Right. This is the right way to do it. And you should see it my way as opposed to saying, this is my preference. This is what I like. I have aesthetic reasons or it just fits my style or whatever that might be. And I get, and I get why you don't like it. It's not your prep, right? Right. And, you know, look, let's, let's face it. It's, it's a slippery topic, right? Yeah. For a variety of different reasons. Yeah. Um, it's not an easy thing for people to do. And sometimes people do it successfully. And so once I, once you say that, you say, okay, that's the, that's the real descriptive world, right? Not so easy to do possible takes a lot of, a lot of good faith um, and a lot of open communication paradoxically. So once you say that, then start having that conversation. What about this? This is the same conversation, right? What about this? Do you like, what do you find appealing about it? What are you worried about? What the same person, right? Then the other side, well, what don't you like about it? And did, did it ever occur to you that that had a little appeal to you, you know, because the chances are just like the other topics, it's rarely, a hundred to zero, right? <laughs> right. There, there's 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 a little wiggle room. There's a gray area, usually for both partners, and then that's the that's the connective tissue right there. Now, where you land is right because you it's it's like you can't just be a little bit open, right? Either you are, or you aren't, <laughs> right? Yeah. There can be rules, but yes, right. Absolutely right. There can be parameters, and, right. and that's part of where those conversations might go. Like under these circumstances, that that resolves my biggest worries. You know, whether it has to do with you know infectious diseases or alienation of affection, or right. do you really love? You know, I'm 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 jealous. You know, I I want that time with you for me. I don't want you spending that with, you know, those are the big parts, right? If we can figure those out, how to balance those, then, you know, that's, that's a conversation that's worth having. I want to close the, this interview with a very kind of basic question that um, came to me uh, when I read your book and also kind of remind me the first year, Alex, of uh, our couples therapy is that I realized that in order to do all that, like uh, solving problems between the couple, there is one thing that should be there in the first place in each of the people's couple. And I think... Um, that thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, that thing is that you want to be there. You want to be in the couple. In the couple um, or in the couple's therapy? In, in, the, in the relationship. Okay. In order to, so it's kind of a decision, or I don't know what that is, but I'd like you to tell us a little bit about what do you think there should be, or like a kind of a checking, yeah. to check be, before we kind of go into the conflict, what of each of us supposed okay. to have? That's that's such a good question. Um, And I'm going to give you, I think, what is probably going to be a bit of a weird answer, if you bear with me. So, which is that 
society generally wants to dichotomize things, right? Into yeses and nos, binary, ons and offs, right? Ins and outs, right? I'm in the relationship or I'm not in the relationship. But in fact, most of the world is not binary, okay? So the question is, under what circumstances do I notice that I love you and I want to be in the relationship? Under what, what are the things that makes that easy to do? And what are the things that makes it hard? The idea is, even if it's easy to love you, right? For And sometimes it is, by the way, right? Sometimes it's just lots of cues that make it easy to love the other person. That's great. But sometimes it's not that easy, right? The person does a lot of annoying things. Especially after a while, you know? Maybe after a while. But there might also be fundamentally things that if I just take a deep breath and look, oh, there are also these really lovely things there too. So this has to do with making choices about what we pay attention to okay i'll use a, a kind of a an example to come back to the you know open relationship right so if we're committed to say monogamy at least for now right and somebody's flirting with me which is kind of fun right who who doesn't think that's yeah. fun right the question is like do i say okay but i know that if i keep flirting that that runs the risk of me doing something that i that I actually might regret. At this moment, don't notice, it's easy to forget that I might regret it because it's kind of fun. So can I remember, like, and I don't know this person, this person probably has bad breath in the morning, this person, you know, that, of course, this is easy. It's 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 this big, it's, it's two centimeters big, whereas my real relationship is, you know, a light year big, you know, it's, it's big, right? There's all kinds of stuff there. So it's, it's really directing our attention back to, I want to keep noticing things that get me looking at you with love, that get me enjoying being with you. If I can keep noticing those things, that's going to maximize. Now, when that maximum gets too small, right, like it's just not there. I can't rekindle it anymore. We need some help, right, for sure. But I think it's um, the being in the relationship, yes, but it's about doing the little things that create that. I want, I look forward to seeing you when you come mm-hmm. home today, or I look forward to doing something together on the weekend, or I look forward just to sitting on the sofa and watching some, you know, something streaming tonight, because that's a nice time of day for us. You know, what can I do to remember that? What are those little bits of glue and connection in our relationship and keep paying attention to them? Mm-hmm. It's really like being your own sheepdog, you know? Yeah. You know, where your attention of the sheep, you know, it's like, you go off in some direction, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, woof, come back. This is in my heart where I want to be. So keep reminding myself to pay attention to those. Right. So do you think this is something that um, should be talked prior to any conflict? Like you want to understand like also where the other person is, not not only knowing when you are. No, not, not this big, not this big. It's much smaller. It's like before we have any conversation any negotiation, any problem solving, can we each agree that we're going to do some of those things to remind us that we like right. each other and love each other? Yeah. And if we, and we don't open our mouths until that's what we're bringing to the table. We've got both hands. We've got, I love you and you're driving me crazy. You're not just you're driving me crazy and I want to bloody kill you. Right. That's, <laughs> that's not a great way to start. The conversation. Oh God, we got to change that. <laughs> uh, Dr. Alan Forzetti, thank you so much for spending uh, the time with us. It was really enlightening and important i think thank you thank you you're welcome uh, thank you for inviting me you, you two are a lot of fun you know so thank, thank you for you. inviting thank me you.
Alex, I didn't say anything in the interview, but booty hypnotic as an endearment term. Yes. Please. What do you mean, please? That's my please. Saturday night name. Daddy Square, the Gay Dads podcast. We're back from the interview. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. Yofi, good. I want to thank Alan. And I want to say that if you are in the middle of a conflict, you should read this book, uh, The High Conflict Couple, that he wrote. And even if you're not in conflict, you probably will be. I'm, trying, yeah. I'm sorry to tell you that. <laughs> but it's happening. Um, and, you know, we're married for 15 years. So, uh, no. <laughs> we've been together 15 years, so, you know, we had a couple of those. Oh, we've had a few. Uh, yes, if you are in a committed relationship and you are uh, starting to talk about having children or you're in the process of having children or you have children, you're going to kill each other. And so everything that you can do to get support. Uh, yeah. from and I like how we called it relationship mindfulness. It's exactly what it is. I, I want to say, look, all joking aside for a minute, that... Um, mindfulness is a term I sometimes have trouble with because it sounds a little, you know, granola-y. But here's the thing. In a relationship, and especially one where you have children, it is so easy to lose track of these really deep emotional issues and say, well, yeah, that's great and all, but we got to mix the formula or we got to figure out how to get the kids to this thing or that thing. And you lose track of your relationship because you're too busy being mechanical. And so I really like the idea that we're going to take a stop and we're going to ask ourselves what really matters to ourselves and each other. Yes, and, and I also have to mention that, um, and this is something we also touched in the, in the interview, that we're talking psychology speaking, right? I hear what you're saying, Alex, and I have to tell you that I feel that. Yes. You know, and Alex and I had really huge problem with that for a while. And not that we're doing it right now, but I, I realize that it can sound ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it can, but but ultimately you you sort of peel away anything that doesn't feel comfortable to you and you pay attention to the stuff that matters. I'm a lot less, I don't know, crunchy than Jan is, but that doesn't mean uh, that I haven't found a lot of real meaning, not only in what Dr. Fruzetti said, but also with our couples therapist who has been incredibly instrumental in keeping us together and keeping our family happy over these years. After the interview, one of the things that I really took from it is uh, softening the criticism. And I want to give you an example. Alex, remember the time that you were in the shower and I came to you and I said, I want to tell you something that is really bothering me, but I, I gave like a whole different an introduction. Uh, an introduction to the criticism. And yes. the criticism was that he threw the plastic bottles in the trash. Remember yes. that? Yep. I'm it it really hurts my feelings. It feels that he doesn't you know, he doesn't respect the fact that I really like to recycle. First of all, I let him know that I love him and it's not about him and it's not about, you know, I don't want him to change anything, but it really, I wanted to let him know how it made me feel, how, because I realized that, yes, I'm angry about the bottle because I saw the bottles and I said to myself, oh, he's not listening, he doesn't care, he, no, no, no. and it really, I was fired up, but then I managed to somehow before, by the time I got to the shower to talk to him about this, I made this whole introduction that also calmed me down, not just him. Yeah. So, Look, it, like and that. it made a lot of a difference. I, I'm not me. sure I'm going to continue doing that. Yeah, great. I probably well, forget, but I'll try. <laughs> no, you know, look, uh, I, I think that this is really important Uh when we interact with each other, interesting little cultural point. Um, many couples have uh, members from different cultures. Um, Jan is Israeli. I'm 
you know, American. And one of the differences culturally is generally that Israelis are extremely straightforward people. They just tell you what they're thinking and how they're feeling, which is very laudable on one hand. But on the other hand, I think people need a little bit of an introduction to understand where you're coming from when you criticize or complain or ask for something to change because it helps you get on the same side with them and see it from their perspective. And I'll tell you something. He came and he said it to me the way he did, and it went really well. Yes. I'm not sure it, ha it has gone really well under other circumstances. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying it's. Um, I'm not sure it's going to always be like that, Alex. I'm just saying it like that. Yeah. Because... You know, I tend to forget. Sometimes some things are automatic and I might as well just, you know, bark at you the next time. Oh, so great. I don't know. <laughs> I want to be better. Um, anyway, so one thing that uh, uh, we talked about towards the end of the interview and I wanted to give my, uh, my thoughts on it is the one thing that every couple should have, uh, should have their pre-conflict. So what I, was, what I meant in that... Um, in that question that I asked him at the end, is that I feel that every couple really, you know, we have these, um, they always talk about the three-year mark, the seven-year mark, right? Um, which means that, you know, how do you know that you're going to stick and stay together? And I think that the fact that both of the couple want to be there and want to work over to work the problems out, I think it's a prerequisite to really have a, a good conflict, but by which I mean that, you know, a conflict that can be resolved. Is that okay? Yeah. <coughs> oh, sorry. So, and I feel that because a lot of time, and I talk about this with our friends, and, and I see other, other, you know, gay men who are really move away from conflicts. And, you know, they say, okay, so this person it might, might not be the right person for me. And they, they break up and they're looking for other people and then they get to another relationship and they get to a conflict again and then they run away from it so there's something about the agreement that we're not talking about right the the si this silent agreement that says we're both going to handle whatever comes well no? one note it what? wasn't that silent it, was i presumptuous no no what i'm saying is this it wasn't that silent now at the risk of sounding like a conservative which i'm not yeah um we got married. And when we got married, we made a promise to each other. And it's funny because I think that we live in a society now where that's kind of just a thing that you put on paper and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there is real meaning to the idea of saying, no, we're, we're going to commit to each other, which means it's going to be a nightmare sometimes and we're going to work through it or we're going to do our very best to achieve that. And, and that's very meaningful. Then, of course, you bring children into the equation and it ups the ante on how important it is uh, for you to try to make your relationship with your partner work. Daddy, that's QR.com. I think it's a good time to move to our corner, MHB Corner, the Men Having Babies. So Men Having Babies is an organization, a community organization, a uh, nonprofit one that helps uh, gay men become dads uh, through surrogacy. They do it with education and financial assistance. And we're going to have uh, team members from this organization every episode. Um, and they're going to let us know and educate us on um, building your family through surrogacy. Today, we're going to talk to Sarah Miller. She's the Director of Business Development at Men Having Babies. And she's going to talk to us about the team. So when you are going through surrogacy, you, we know you have to build 
a team around you of people who are going to help you do it. So Sarah is going to talk to us about who the team is and um, what we should look out for. This is Men Having Babies Corner. When you're starting this process of building your family through third-party reproduction, uh, there's a lot of players that are involved. So you really need to approach this as um, you're going to put together this comprehensive team. You're going to need a clinic to work with you for the medical steps. You're going to need an agency who's going to really guide you through the process, connect you with the right people. Um, You'll need attorneys all along the way for contracts in the beginning and parentage at the end and just to make sure that everybody has all of the legal parameters in place so that when at the end of this journey you have a baby that the law recognizes this child is yours. Um, And you, of course, need your egg donor and your surrogate who are instrumental in helping you to grow your family in this way. I'll add a little caveat in there that you don't need to have an agency. Um, Some people do choose to do an independent journey. If you opt to go that route, just know that you will be required to do a lot of more heavy lifting that that agency normally would do for you. And I like to advise guys, think of it like a second full-time job because you really will be investing so much time and energy if you're opting to go without an agency guiding that part of the journey. For more information, go to menhavingbabies.org. Um, so Sarah, as well as Lisa and Ron, will be presenting our Men Having Babies corner on an episode-by-episode basis. And what I'm going to say about all three of them is they've all been doing this for so long that they just, you ask them about a topic and they just go. Like they really, yes, really know they their really stuff. Know. And, it is and Sarah was a surrogate herself. And she has oh. six kids. Did you know that? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's incredible. Incredible. Um, okay, so um, before we go, so we talked a little bit, a little bit about us at the beginning, but I really want to give us a little bit of an update on us, like what happens in our lives. I got fatter. Well, other than that, oh. so you know, we always say we want to hear about you. We want to hear about you. So why don't you hear a little bit about us and maybe that will spark something. As much but- as it's difficult for us to talk about ourselves, it's so hard. Uh, well, just to give you guys an update about me, um, I had been technology executive at a big uh, movie studio for a long time and I left just recently and have started up a new business with a partner of mine, very excited and somewhat terrified about it, especially when you consider that you know we have kids now, so the finances of all of this are a little freaky. Um, nonetheless, I'm excited to be this to be doing this new kind of work on a day-to-day basis. And for me, well, the last year has been crazy for me. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm a communication consultant. I do web design and social media and stuff like that. Um, but I think that the past year, I kind of been brainstorming with myself on where do I want to go. And those who have small businesses probably know what it feels like. Not the best feeling in the world. However, I realized, finally realized, that what I really want to do is to create uh, communities around brand and values, which is basically what we do here at Daddy Squared. So now with that in mind, I'm kind of trying like a new era of my business and I can't wait to see uh, who I can connect with and and help. And I really want to help a lot of organizations who are looking to be heard. Our kids are going uh, to first grade. Wow. Uh, They're starting today and it's 
exciting by itself. But, um, you know, I talk about parenting with people who has now teenagers and they keep saying how more difficult it gets when they're teenagers. And I'm, I can't really imagine. I, think I that- was such a prick when I was a teenager that I really can understand it. But I will tell you that um, there's something really, really heady about the fact that our kids are going into first grade. It's so hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, and yet, at the same time, um, I will cry. I will cry on their first day of school. There's something about the idea that these babies and then little tiny boys that we had are now like, you know, they're real kids going to school and uh, probably guarantee that every gay man who has a child also has this feeling of this wasn't supposed to be like I wasn't supposed to be able to have kids. I wasn't supposed to be able to have a husband. Uh, and I wasn't supposed to be able to have kids. And now I have all of those things. And that is, I would say hashtag blessed, but if I did, you'd have to slap me across the face. Yes. It is a great- Don't a- be influenced by us. <laughs> Daddy, that's QR.com. We come towards the end of the episode and I want to tell you how you can communicate with us. So first of all, it will really mean a lot to us if you subscribe to our podcast and give us five stars because Alex just loves the stars. I just love the stars. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> and um, um, and besides that, you can write to us at hello at daddysqr.com. You can also visit the website. There's not, not only past episode, but uh, other things that I write and other people write. And um, you can write too if you want. And we're also on Instagram. I know you don't like it, Alex, and Alex is not on Instagram. Nope. Um, but we have the Daddy Squared account, Daddy SQR account now, uh, which is a community account. We have recommendations there and um, uh, stuff that gay dads, other gay dads talk about as well as I am. So that's really interesting. And you're welcome to follow and suggest yourselves. And I'd love to have you there. Um, and other than that, do, did I miss anything? Yes. What? You missed something very important. What? We are so incredibly happy to be back doing this thing again. It brings us both so much pleasure uh, to be able to talk about our lives, things that matter. And if in any small way we're helping uh, prospective gay dads or gay dads with the day-to-day of, of what it takes to do all of this, that is the greatest thing that we do on a day-to-day basis. That's why ourselves. we do it. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. Thank you, Alex. Thank, thank you, you Jan. And uh, we're going to see you in two weeks with another episode of Daddy Square, the Gay Dads podcast. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>